Shalhevet High School presents the Radical Moderation Podcast. Here's your host, Rabbi Ari Siegel. Okay, let's dive in now to the Radical Moderation part of the podcast. Um, The whole purpose of this podcast was I really felt, and I think I share this with a lot of people, and I think I, well, you'll let us know, but I think you are among them who felt like the world is just becoming way too divided and people not listening to each other anymore. And my goal originally was to get guests on the show who would disagree with each other um, and and kind of push back, but in a way that that honored the other person's opinion. Um, And I've actually had a a hard time doing that. Um, So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I know you guys told me you've been listening to the podcast as they go on. First of all, what are your thoughts? Um, have we been uh, accomplishing our goal of radical moderation? I think you're doing great. We are so <laughs> thankful that you're doing what you're doing because maybe about a year ago, we had the idea that our politics are we're the radical center. And so you kind of came up with a very similar even name of this new movement that we're trying to start. Uh, there's just so much screeching and insults on both sides that something, something needs to change. So I think it's wonderful, Rabbi, what you're doing. And we are rooted in the Talmudic principle uh, that when there was a big, big and harsh division among the Jewish people between the followers of Hillel and the followers of Shammai on certain laws, right, that they use, they weren't even the most important laws. There were only a few areas where people disagreed, but it was enough to divide the whole community. And then a voice from heaven came down and said, these and these are the words of the living God, but in practical application, we're gonna follow Hillel. Why? Because the students of Hillel were easy and forbearing and would state the opinions of their opponents before their own. So let's be a little, let's take a critical eye at our own Jewish community. I hope we have listeners beyond the Jewish community, but let's be honest here. I love that. It's, you know, the the term in Talmudic Aramaic, I believe is nochen ve'aluvin, that they would, like you said, they were kind and they would put the other opinion first when they were telling over the argument. I'm not sure the Jewish community is doing a fantastic job of this. Meaning even in within our people who are steeped in Talmud, the people, the 93,000 people celebrating the completion of Talmud every seven and a half years at at Giant Stadium. It used to be Madison Square Garden, but that I think only held 40,000 or 30,000. They needed a a football size stadium. We're horrible at it. We're, it's, my way or the highway, it's somehow like if, I'm, if you're right even a little bit, then somehow I'm wrong. What, what's going on? Why can't we get this right? Uh, I don't even know if it's only Jewish. I mean, it's, it's just people are dismissive of, of those they disagree with. And what they love to do is sum up another person dismissively, hmm. right? It's not even that they're screeching and angry at each other and at the people they disagree with. They just sum them up with a word or two that allows it to put it in their brains, that whole person and, and the whole community they represent in a little box where it's like, yeah, I thought about that before. I don't need to think about it again. Check, goodbye. It's like a car- yeah. it's, it's a caricature or like a categorization of that person, meaning like you're just crazy or you're a, I mean, unfortunately, I've actually had this happen. People will say, um, who, I have a cousin who's very, very liberal. He, he said, Bibi Netanyahu is like a Nazi. I said, I, how can I have a conversation with you? Meaning, I, even if I agree that I don't like Bibi Netanyahu, even if we can't have a conversation if you're categorizing another human being as a Nazi who has not sent people to their death at a gas chamber. 
I mean, uh, like, wh- wh- who has not tried to commit genocide? How can you categorize I mean, a person well, like that? One big message that we're trying to put out there is don't attribute bad att- bad intentions to your opponent. And in the Jewish community, it happens so much. Uh, you know, we'll have more from Jews uh, characterizing liberal Jews. Well, they just don't care about the tradition. They just want to destroy it all. Or the liberal Jews, well, they're just sexist, and that's why they're so strict. Like, no, we actually maybe all want what's best for the Jewish people, what's best for this world. Maybe we disagree, but it's so important to not attribute bad intentions because once you do that, there's no dialogue and there's no progress at all. The two of you said something interesting, which was at the the genesis of this podcast, my dream, and I still hope it'll come true. I mean, we're early in the podcast. uh, Oh, Rabbi Browse and Ben Shapiro? Yes. So (laughs) I want to bring together guests from the opposing side and then have them. Sal, restate the other person's opinion, but in a way that resonates with that other person. That the other person would say, yes, that's what I meant. You got Well, we want to do actually some YouTube videos of this where we'll ask somebody on the street, what do you think about abortion? Okay, they'll have a strong opinion. Now tell us what the other side says and Uh, don't do it in a sarcastic way. Do it in a way that they would agree. Yes, that's what I say. I don't know if we can even find people on the street to do that, but I think that could be very powerful. But I think they could be coached. I think people would actually need to be coached to be able to state the opinion of their opponents without sarcasm, because it's the only way that, it's not the only way, but it's the way that most people will go to first. Yeah, Sure, I can state the opinion of the other side, but what they believe is, and then fill in the blank sarcastic. And even if they can repeat it without the sarcasm, it's still... I've heard what you said through my eyes and I have a protective mechanism. You know, I have my beliefs. So when I hear yours, I have to put up a little bit of a wall. Otherwise, my, you know, beliefs are tenuous in some way. So I've heard your position, but through my eyes, rather than let me hear your position through your eyes. Um, And so that would be an admirable project if you could start that, I think. And I think the fear that people have and the reason they don't want to do this is because, well, then I've countenanced Given credibility to, I've given credibility. I've let that argument go a little bit further in the world. And it's a shame because if you can do it, if you can state an opinion you totally disagree with in a way that the other person will say, yes, that's what I mean, that person will be impressed. And will accept if you disagree with them. Will accept if you disagree with them, but yeah. the conversation will be at a new place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so maybe you won't change each other's minds, but it is possible you'll discover something new that was not possible if you didn't commit to this form of conversation. Yeah. What I've said for a long time, I don't think I heard it somewhere else. Somehow it, it came into my head at a young age. But a good conversation is one in which all participants learn something none knew before. Hmm. If we don't do that, all we're doing is just restating stuff and throwing it at the other person. I love that. I love that point. It actually brings me to another point, which is you and Nina have um, really created this incredible blog. Um, And you look out into the blogosphere, the podcast world, all of the social media uh, formats. And I think while once in a while you'll see a podcast or blog or website that really tries to bring multiple points of view, what you just articulated as something you'll learn that's new every time you listen, I don't see that in the, or hear that in the podcast world. There's podcasts that conservatives love to listen to. There's podcasts that liberals love to listen to. And it almost is like the echo chamber of echo chambers. <laughs> You're like, which podcast do you listen to? I rarely hear someone say, I listen to a podcast that enrages me. 
<laughs> right? When, when I actually do that sometimes, but yeah. I don't think most people so, do. So yeah. what's going, I mean, is there a way to stop this or is this just a runaway freight train of echo chambers that we are going to be stuck in for, you know, until people just get sick of it? So many people have pressured us to take a stand politically with everything that's going on. How, how can you possibly not take a stand? Our whole thing, we never talk about politics because if we do, we'll alienate half of Except our audience. Except to talk about but this we process talk about of listening courteous to courteous discourse. Yes, right. And what can we all agree on? So we will never take a political stand, but we are talking about politics in a, in a broader way of how can we talk to each other. Would you like to take a political stand? Meaning if you knew for a moment that your audience, all million plus of them, would allow you the opportunity to take a political stand without judging suddenly. Like, you know, I don't know, you said... Sorry, I have to cough. <clears throat> you said Trump, you know, I, we agree with something Trump said. And 50% of your listeners would be like, oh, my God, I can't. And they would just, is there, would you like to share some political views? Do you have political views as, as individuals? I won't ask you what they are quite. We have ever-changing political views. Um, but, you know, everywhere is about politics now. And we've definitely, a couple times we posted something that almost a little bit kind of could be seen to be slightly political. And we get pushback. And people say, you know, this is the one place on the internet there's not politics. Please keep it that way. Huh. Sal, it's deep in thought here. <laughs> I am. It, it, it's such a political environment now. So what you set up as a, as a hypothetical is a hypothetical. Um, but... But our mission at Accidental Talmudist is to increase peace in the world by sharing Jewish wisdom with everybody. So if we make it about politics and say, well, according to Jewish wisdom, we should change the following laws in the following way, um, then, then I don't think we're increasing peace in the world. On the other hand, if we're teaching people how to think, how to analyze, how to sharpen the brain. How to talk to each other. And how to talk to each other. Then I do think that we're adding to the political world. Hmm. And our, our audience is, is uh, international. We're in 70 countries. So if we're talking about domestic American stuff, we're already alienating people that, that it's not relevant to. Interesting. So when you, when you plot out your show or your, your different podcasts or blogs, you, are you thinking, how do we find topics that are universalistic? Or are you also, meaning you're, you're honing in on something very Jewish, but that fi figure people who are listening will be able to pull out their own wisdom from it? Yeah, I mean, you know, when the when the blog first began, uh, my go to source uh, for growing in wisdom was was Pierre Keavos, Chapters of the Fathers, um, which is really a it's a highlight reel <laughs> of, the, of the wisdom of our sages, and so you can teach anybody who is wise, one who learns from every person, who is rich, one who's content with what he has, and who is strong, one who masters his own impulses. Because everyone either is engaged in fighting that battle to become a better version of themselves or should be engaged in that battle. Hmm. It's interesting you just brought that up because I guess wisdom literature from all religions, they don't necessarily compete with each other. They sort of are additive to each other. Yeah, definitely. And, and we've lost that in some way because I remember I was at... Uh, Summer Institute at the Aspen Institute, and we were reading some of the Confucius sayings. Mm. And I thought, 
I mean, they weren't exactly like Ethics of the Fathers, Pirkei Avot, from the Jewish tradition, but there were similarities there. And I was like, this is amazing. This is very complimentary to Jewish thought, meaning this could almost be Jewish if you didn't tell me that. And I guess, you know, the wisdom literature from all of the, all of the religions, if we stripped away all the politics and we stripped away all the arguments and, and, you know, within communities and just said, here's what religion can add to our lives. Here's the meaning it can help us make of a pretty seemingly chaotic world. We'd have a, there would be far less fighting. And yet it seems like you're either on the side of here's that wisdom literature. It's just beautiful. Like you guys are doing, or I'm taking that wisdom literature and having it support my views, which are in diametric opposition to your views. And you sort of create this real tension point between uh, factions. One thing I just want to put out there, it's slightly off topic, but I think it's an important concept, which is that, uh, you know, we, we come from a world that's very secular, very intellectual, educated, and there's just uh, this tragic universal belief that, well, if you're religious, you're dumb. And if you believe in God, it's because you need a crutch. And, you see that uh, in media, in academia. I mean, the, every, the whole world I'm, I come from, I'm considered a fanatic because right. I believe in God, because I live my life according to ancient rules. So we're really trying to push back against that. No, you can be smart. You can believe in science. You can be a, a seeker and a searcher uh, and be a person of faith. And that message is not out there in the general culture. Yeah. And that's gone in both directions. I often wonder where did religion and social activism kind of break apart? There's always this, you know, I don't know. I remember I wasn't uh, born in the 60s, but you talk about I always knew that religion and social activism went hand in hand. And then I think there was this division. And and, I, and one of the places I think it comes from is suddenly, uh, you know, more liberal people started looking at religious people as sort of your damaged goods or something wrong. Like what you need this crutch. What's wrong with you? Opiate of the masses. Yeah, opiate of the masses. And religious people started looking at at liberals and social activists as like, oh, you've just, you, you know, you're, you're so open-minded, your brain's falling out. <laughs> that kind of terminology. And yeah. so it went from working hand in hand to fix the ills of the world. Okay, there's gonna be problems when we talk about abortion. All right, let's figure that out, religion. and Or there's problems when it comes to the LGBT communities. Okay, we gotta figure those out. But we used to walk hand in hand. And now it's not even walking, it's not even uh, friendly you know, neighbors or, or, or neighbors who don't talk to each other. There's a hatred between Such the religious animosity. community, animosity between oh. the religious community and the social activist community and the liberal community. And it's horrible. It's I awful. think it's partially due to the fact that our lives have become so enmeshed with so many other people. In other words, hundreds of years ago, you, you, you're in a village. You know, even if you lived in a city, you, you, the, the majority of the people you saw were the people in your neighborhood. You didn't interact with so many different people. Now we're constantly aware of, of hundreds of thousands, of millions of people, of, of, of the world being full of people and that they disagree with us on so many things and some of them agree with us and we need to quickly put people in boxes. And so what's being lost is this face-to-face, -face, hmm. right? Really the place you see God is in the face of another person and when you interact with them. And that's when you can grow and when you can learn and you can say, why are they disagreeing with me? Who's, who is disagreeing with me? There's a soul riding around in a body. We're both connected to the same source. Why are we disagreeing so much? And, and when you get in that face-to-face -face place and, and, and really take people as people and people as souls, many more things are possible. But if people are nothing more to you than, than opinions and opponents, there's no growth possible. Hmm. Um, and so 
you know, and this really comes right out of our background as filmmakers. I mean, we think that stories are the way to to really open people up to new ideas. To, to, like Rebbe Nachman solutions. said, a stories can wake people up. Rebbe Nachman is a very famous uh, Hasidic thinker who's inspired countless uh, countless Jews and non-Jews probably mm. with his very, very uh, aspirational, positive thought about humanity. Mm-hmm. So, so let me yeah. give you an example. I don't know how our time is, but keep I can going, tell- a, Keep going, I'll tell you a short story of something that happened to us. Uh, <clears throat> when we first moved into this house, it was kind of like a wreck. <laughs> and we thought that it could we get renovated. fixed up. We were doing some renovations. We hoped it would take six months, but we didn't have a lot of money. So that process took much longer. Send and, your donations to the Excellence <laughs> Talmud is now. And, uh, but during that time, you know, there were people working here and we were in and out and our house got burgled. Is that, is that a verb? We got burglarized. Burglarized. Burgled is fine. Yes. Shorthand. We were burgled. People came in and stole stuff from us when people we weren't here. People came in and stole stuff from us. And it's a horrible, horrible feeling. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't just go into your house, right? They go into your bedroom. They go into your night table. They take jewelry that belonged to Nina's family. Um, they, they, they took, they were in our stuff, man, yeah. in our most private stuff. And you have an anger that comes with it. Like you, whoever that person is, that is my enemy, right? And uh, among the things they took were computers and iPods. This was back when they were iPods. And so the insurance company was good and all these Apple products got replaced. And then when I went to register this new Apple iPod, I found in my Apple account that there was this guy, Jerry, <laughs> with a different phone number and my address. A, a uh, Jewish name. A so Jewish we're saying, name. Wait, we, we're not what? saying his last name because he lives in this city. Um, <laughs> like this Jewish guy was in but, our house. Oh my God, is this the guy who stole my stuff? What's going on? So I called up. I said, is this Jerry? Yeah. Did you recently get an Apple iPod, you know, 512K, whatever? He's like, No. I said, did you get an Apple laptop, a MacBook? Yeah, I did. Really, Jerry? How'd you get that? It was used. I bought it from this guy on oh. Craigslist. Well, let me tell you something, Jerry. That computer was stolen from my house just a few weeks ago. Wow. He said, let me call you back. <laughs> I said, yeah. okay, Jerry, I have your number. So it turned out that he had bought it uh, from this kid who uh, was part of a, a paintball crew. Um, and, and their little hobby was breaking into houses and stealing stuff. Huh. And, you know, Jerry would not give me the identity of this kid because his lawyer and cop friend advised him not to. He didn't want to be responsible <laughs> if we were vigilantes. <laughs> we were vigilantes. Oh, got it. But to make a long story short, uh, when the computer got returned to me, we ended up with the email address of this kid we, who had All been, we had was his first name and his email address. Wow. Right. So what do you do? You know this kid stole from you. He's the bad guy. The cops were not interested. It was too small of, right. a, of a thing His claim to the cops was that he bought it on Craigslist on a Friday and sold it to Jerry on a Monday. Huh. So what do you do? If somebody that ripped you off, all you have is their email address. So right. what'd you do? So I thought, I'm not gonna just send him an email and say, hey, you're a you jerk. jerk, I hate you. right? I thought maybe we could do something different. So I made up an identity. The kid was, was Korean. We knew that from his name and, and stuff we learned about him. The description from, that Jerry had told us. Right. Um, so it's like a college age Korean kid. So we made up an identity 
uh, of a woman named Grace Lee, which is a very common we, we name. We had a Korean friend once who said there's so many Koreans <laughs> named Grace Lee. This is like, uh, uh, you know, like uh, uh, one of those uh, undercover cop yes. things here. Right. And so we sent it. First, we wanted to know if the email was still good and if right. we could just sort of get him to answer. So I sent an email saying, uh, dear, we'll call him, I don't know, what are we going to call him for the purpose of this show? De- Schleimy. <laughs> dear uh, Schleimy. Stewie. Stewie. So we said, dear Stewie, is this still your email? Grace. XX Grace. XOXO. Right. XOXO Grace. <laughs> and he answered in five minutes. Yeah. Who's, who is who this? Who is this? Who is Grace? Right. And so then I said, this is Grace. I know what you've been doing. When are you going to stop shaming your family? Whoa. And he's, he's like, like, what? What are you talking shot about? Back. Who is this? Which <laughs> grace is this? And, and then he said, is this, is this, is this grace from the, uh, from uh, my pa- mom, from, from my Pasadena, mom's church. from the yeah. old, what is the old Pasadena light of God church? Something oh like that. It's church in Pasadena. Are you my mom's friend from church? Yeah. <laughs> you touched a nerve there. Right. Cool. And, and I, and I said, I'm always in church. And I've been watching you, and you're so, <laughs> Stewie, you're so smart. You can't get arrested for this, right, Sal? For no, impersonating I said, somebody? I said, I said, Stewie, you are so smart. You're so gifted. You can do so much good in the world. <laughs> Why bring the shame to your family when you could be doing so much good? And then he started to talk to it us. It became a, a conversation. And Whoa. he said, you know, I recently realized that the people I thought were my friends were not my friends. Yeah, sure, because when he got caught, through this computer sale, all his buddies in the paintball ditched crew him. dumped, ditched him. Yeah. You know, and he was sort of left holding the bag and for wow. a while was really afraid he was going to go to jail. Huh. Um, and so this conversation went back and forth through about 10 emails. Wow. And I can tell you that at the end, he re-enrolled. He said, I'm Seriously? going back to school. <laughs> what Cal State Northridge. What an amazing story. If it had a different ending, I would feel like you were in trouble and you got right. catfished him. What's it called? For, yeah, for kind when of you, like, All right. Yeah. So let's take this to one last question because hmm. I think it's interesting. Uh, who would you say is your uh, other or enemy? Meaning if you're thinking about it now. Uh, I know you kind of call yourself just a Jew on the accident. But, but just to put a button on that story, yeah. I would have thought that the guy who burglarized my home is nothing but my enemy oh, and I want to sure. bury him. Absolutely. But by having this kind of encounter, it can become something just else. Just meeting them. It wasn't face to face, but just the human side of yes. them. And then not realizing you're the human side of you. But so what, what, who, who out there for you is the other and um, have you engaged them in some way? There are people who will show up on our page from time to time and say, doesn't the Talmud say that you can have sex with three-year-old girls? Doesn't right. the Talmud say that, that Jesus is having some terrible fate in the right. next world, et cetera? And there, there's a list you can find of the Talmud but, accusations. But that's, that's a you know. small fringe group that's getting their information on Stormfront. Uh, you yes, know? but I used to just delete, delete. I have no time right. for this. I've actually tried a few times to show what you've done is taken something out of context. The Talmud in its time was the most progressive document right. that gave the most rights to people that didn't have power, et cetera. And, uh, and they'll stick to their stuff, but it's amazing that you can have a civil conversation even with the most uncivil people. Interesting, really, but, really uh, But I would say that the bigger uh, challenge is what I mentioned before, is the, the, the people that are very sophisticated and very intelligent and good people who want to help others, who just dismiss religion, blanket, Auto, don't know anything that's about a much it. Yeah. Out of hand. That's, I think, a much bigger challenge. Do you try to yeah. engage those people somehow? Or are you having them over for, I don't know, 
tequila or coffee or something. We yes, absolutely. We have yeah. we know many people like that in our friends and family. Mm-hmm. Some are open, some are not. Right? Nina used to always say, or probably still does say, that there are two kinds of people in the world: people who get into a conversation in the checkout line at Ralph's and people who don't. And <laughs> she will point as Sal is the example of the <laughs> checkout converser. <laughs> checkout converser. And, uh, and I am that way because I, I do find people interesting. Yeah. I do. I, I, I like to hear somebody who's having a different journey through this world mm. and what they're seeing and hearing. And then, and then so to me, no matter how crazy they think I am or how much they disapprove of what I do, there's still a conversation to be had. And I'll just stay civil as long as I can and then I'll just break off. But I think that that process of, of, of trying to hear each other and grow. And so especially with people who are very dismissive of religion, they find me a little harder to dismiss because right. the prejudice they bring into it is religious people You're clearly are weak not and a dumb. Fool and, and ignorant, you know, yeah. Interesting. And Does Israel come up on your podcast at all? Is that something where you stay away from that because it's political? We'll, we'll do that. Was a bo- that was a bonus question. That for my is listeners. an area where we are a little bit political. You're, you're, oh, you are political. We are. I do mean, we love that? Israel so much. Yeah, we're, uh, we're not we're very hide Zionist. That. Yeah. We're, we're, to, to us, Israel is. It, it, there's no separation between Israel and the Jewish people. Interesting. Um, but but we so we have a lot of followers in the Muslim world. When we do post about Israel, uh, we we oftentimes will get angry pushback. But a lot of those people, they just have false information, and they right. also will dialogue. By the way, it's great that they're pushing back rather than just rather I don't know, that going, than exactly you know, and, and just being angry and not telling you or right. not sharing that. We with had you. a Muslim guy just recently say, "Why do Jews hate Muslims?" Wow. I said, first of all, thank you so much for reaching out and asking that question right. so that I can explain to you that couldn't be further from the truth. We're brothers, we're cousins. So um, we do get a little pushback, but it's also an opportunity. Some of the people are just hateful and we ban them, but some of them are curious. Right. And so it's an opportunity to open a dialogue. Wouldn't that be great if we had a button in the world to ban all the hateful people? <laughs> yeah. Just a quick, you know, like that was easy staples button. That would be nice. I mean, yeah. one thing that makes a big difference whenever this subject comes up is, is when Israel is in the news, it's like there's a close-up yeah. on Israel and it looks like a big land. When you pull the camera out a little bit and you see what a tiny sliver it is among Nothing. these 22 countries around it, um, and you think, d- does it really need to be so much hatred yeah. and negative energy directed at this tiny right. little Does place? the UN need to do this much <laughs> in terms yeah. of Israel? So I... Sal and Nina, this has been incredibly inspiring for me. I love talking to people who are thoughtful, who are really looking for that radical center. Um, And uh, I know I'm sure our listeners enjoyed hearing from you. So I thank everybody. Thank both of you uh, for your time and your warm hospitality in your beautiful home, which is now renovated and not burgled anymore. We have an uh, alarm system now. (laughs) Good Good idea. The alarm system is a good idea. And uh, I invite everybody to give us five stars. That's the way we pop this... uh, podcast and get it out there for more people to listen to. And uh, thank you for being my guests. I really, really enjoyed it. And I look forward to uh, sharing uh, some time with my listeners at a future podcast. Thank Thank you so much, Rabbi. Thank you so much for having us.